Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to another episode of the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be? Um, here we are, like Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Um, of all the weekends, to uh, in the name of God, Gibbo, why do we do this every single week? Every single week, I record this bloody podcast and I have absolutely no idea what number we are. You'd think I'd write these down. What else have I got to remember in my life at this moment in time? Absolutely. Fuck all. But here I am forgetting episodes again. 76. Episode 76. As we hurtle towards the uh, milestone of 100. Which I think, if I've done my maths correctly, should be happening around about September time. So maybe we'll have to do... uh, Maybe we'll have to do something special for episode 100. Maybe, uh, Maybe the first ever... Uh, Scott Gibson show live wouldn't that be exciting possibly um, I hope you're safe and I hope you're well uh, a lot has happened since we last spoke uh, I have had the vaccine I have had my first injection of the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine and uh, what a weekend it was very very much like our Lord God Jesus Christ uh, he died and he has risen and today I'm recording this on Tuesday the 6th of April and uh, it's it's the first time since uh, Sunday that I've been feeling 
semi back to normal again, still got a split headache. Right, let's go back to the start. Let's just go back to where it was. So, mentioned this before on the podcast, I got my vaccine letter the day after I was meant to get my vaccine, my vaccination. So already I was up in arms. I was like, in the name of God, I've missed my vaccination. Now there was a genuine there was a genuine panic there. Um because I, you know, obviously I assumed I would be able to get another point, but I did think for a minute there's gonna be a there's gonna be an element of, you know, if you missed it, you're you're back to the, the end of the queue kind of thing. I I was in no great rush to get it. Um not because I don't want to have the vaccine. I mean, I've had it. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I was certainly no. You know, I was happy to wait my time. I still don't know why I got it. I can only assume it was because of previous illnesses with the brain. That's the only thing I can imagine. I can't imagine it's because of my fat bastard. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It might be because of my fat bastard. I do not know. Surely that. Listen, I never saw one single fatty... If, if they were vaccinating fat people, it'd been the front page of the Daily Mail. You know, you can you can mark my words on that. Surely there's no way... I mean, yes, it's a, it's a condition. Yes, I am clinically, morbidly uh, obesity obese. Yes, without doubt, is my weight dangerous? According to some scientists, maybe... But uh, is that a reason to get the vaccine? I don't know. I mean, it's not as if it told me the letter. It's not as if when I turned up, they went, uh-oh, fatties in. I mean, that would have been a bit disheartening if that was the case. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if you were in to get your vaccine now and they told you why you were getting it? <laughs> they told you why you were getting it. Right, okay, Mrs McGregor, if you just want to stand under the, the banner that says Old Bastards, uh, you'll be taken straight through your vaccine. Thanks very much, sir. I should also point out, I'm using a different microphone this week as well. Uh, I've been having a problem with the cable, so we've changed the mic uh, to the one that I, Mr Malakali uses on the Hashtag Podcast to see if it is any better. And already, um, you know, already it looks as if we are peeking through the absolute goddamn roof, so this could be a complete disaster. But we shall uh, we shall play on and we shall see. We shall see. Let's just... Why don't we just move that slightly from the old shouty uh, voice box. So, uh, no idea why I got it. I'm going to assume it's because I had uh, brain surgery in the past. I think that's probably the reason. At no point have I ever been a doctor for my weight. Yes, it has been mentioned. You know. Has anyone ever spoke to about your weight, Scott? That's always a good conversation. And also, I would love to have... Be careful what you say here. I'd love to have experienced life as a fat lady for a day. <laughs> Just to see if the... Um, if the conversation around size is brought up the same way with a doctor. Because, let me tell you, I have had lady doctors and uh, non-lady doctors in the past, and neither of them are, uh, you know, backwards but coming forward when they're telling you you're a fat bastard. I wonder if a GP hopes that they have at least one fat man on their books. Because every time a GP's told me I'm fat, I feel as if it's, I feel like it's a kind of a cleanse for them. I imagine they go through their day going, yes, now if you take that and, oh, good God gracious help you, I hope... I hope the next time we see you, it's in better circumstances. All right, off you pop now. Having to absorb all that negativity constantly, you know, just death fucking rattling at your door. That must be quite nice about a, a healthy-ish 
fat person walking through the door going, do you know that you're a fat bastard? <laughs> Has anyone ever spoken to you about your weight, Mr Gibson? I've had that before. No, nobody's mentioned it, Doctor. I just thought that walking through doors sideways was the natural way to do it. Of course I know I'm fat. Uh, so I don't think that's the reason why I'm getting the vaccine. I, I assume it's because of... Uh, because of previous, you know, brain, when I was in getting the old brain surgery, I imagine I've ticked a box at some point. I imagine once they stitched me up and they had uh, fixed the problems with my brain, that the uh, you know the the person turned to the, the doctor and said, "Doctor, should I tick the box for future pandemics?" And he says, "Tick away. The man's been through a lot." And you know what? See if it is because of my size. Fucking good, good. I hope that all my fat brother and sisters are finally getting something, a reward for the years of carrying this fucking timber. I hope it is. I hope fat people are finally being rewarded. The tens of billions fat people put into the economy every fucking year. It's about time we get our reward. And our reward is getting our vaccine before uh, skinny cunts. So bring it on. So let me talk you through it because I am realizing that since I've since I've been for the vaccine and uh, gone through the process, I know that there are generally some concerns by people. Uh, oddly, I was asked um, when I sat down with the nurse, I was asked if I was nervous, which was a very strange question, and it kind of threw me because I didn't really know what to say. Um, so let's let's go. We'll go back to the very start. So when I had to rebook the appointment, there was three options in Edinburgh. I had EICC, uh, Edinburgh International Conference Centre, which is where the initial appointment was for, which I missed. Or there is a, a vaccination uh, station, which soon sounds strange. It feels like a Venga Boy song. Vaccination station uh, in Leith, round the corner for the house. I tried to get that one. I couldn't get it. Um, or the QMU, Queen Margaret Union. Apparently there's a drive through Believe it or not, very Americana. Uh, you drive through, stick your arm at the window and fucking Bob's your uncle, Robert's your father's brother and off you pop. So, again, couldn't get that one. I would have liked that. That would have been nice. Uh, so, went to the ICC. You're told to get there 10 minutes before. You have, you'll get your letter through the door which has your unique user number on it. You bring that with you. Um, I got to the door. Uh, no one else there. Just me, myself. Which I... I felt... Now, let me say this before we go any further. It was so well organised. So I was actually impressed and surprised, not just at how smoothly it ran, but at, at how at how well how well the machine was oiled. Everybody was completely spaced out. And by that spaced out we're not turning up here, not man. Everybody was spaced out in the sense of no one was arriving at the same time. Um, even when people were coming, one person was coming down the stairs after me. I was already at the bottom of a two-level escalator before they were. Do you know what I mean? So there was a social distance. Everything was really in place. Come in, there's two security guards. All right, lads. Uh, oh, I've not been here tonight. Two security guards in the front door. You give them your name. Uh, you go in. Uh, there is well marked out areas, they ask you to sanitise your hands and they tell you where to go, I walk in, everything's marked out on the floor, there's barriers up, so you know it's a two way thing for people coming in and out, 
um, went down the stairs. One thing I will say, heavily branded, heavily branded. NHS Scotland, everywhere. They've got fucking stuff in front of the, the desks, the kiosks. It looks like when you go to an event at the SECC or the EICC and like, you know, the, the company takes over, right? It was branded like a rock concert. And obviously because now I'm a little bit pissed off with the SNP, I'm going, who the fuck's paying for this, eh? So I went in, um, member of staff, top member of staff at the bottom, well distanced from you. I would say they're, they're a good, you know, three, four metres from well distanced informing you of where to go. Walked down this long corridor. I'm now in the main conference uh, room, I would imagine, the EICC. I come round. You're kind of... If you imagine, if you've ever been to, like, any amusement park or you've ever waited to get into a stadium, uh, the barriers are set up like a kind of snake effect. Um, all the, Now, I will say also at this point, not one other person there that I can see of, as I come round to check in, I can see someone at the very far end, but nowhere near me, I come out to the first desk, there are two people sat behind Perspect screens, to uh, hospital staff, um, you confirm some details with them, name, address, date of birth, that kind of thing, and then they tell you basically where to go, and you are in channels, if you like, I walk down, there are eight nurses, uh, in this kind of pod, and everything's all banked up and closed off, and then you sit down, and I'm, and I'm there with the nurse, and the whole thing from start to finish, from getting to the front door, to getting back out into the street again, was five or six minutes, if that, from start to finish, it's so quick, so efficient, um, it, it really was, it was spectacular, it did also make me think, why are we not all vaccinated now? Because if we're doing it this quickly, we should be getting more people through. But that's a different thing for a different day. Sit down. And like I said, this is where it kind of went a bit, not weird, but this is where I was, I wasn't really, I didn't really know what to expect. Sat down and uh, the woman says to me, are you feeling nervous? Which threw me because I was feeling nervous and I don't know why. I think it's because I don't know what the vaccine is. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what it's going to date yet. I do not believe for a second any of the conspiracy theories that people are putting out there. But there's still a little bit of doubt in your mind. I had heard of a number of people becoming unwell after it. I know uh, one family member and one very close friend who had been quite ill after getting it. So that's obviously playing in you. I don't particularly like needles. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. I told her that, blah, 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 with a bit of chat. And then she asks you a couple of questions. She asks you if you are happy to receive the vaccine and if you're happy to be contacted for any further information or tests or studies if required. I said yes to both. I was a bit shocked because I thought, is anybody at that point refusing the vaccine? Is anybody waiting? And there probably will be fucking martyrs out there or fucking idiots who go through the whole process of getting an appointment, going to the vaccination point, going all the way through, getting in front of the nurse and then going, and are you happy to receive the vaccine today? Do you know what? I'm not. I am not getting it. Good day to you, sir. And walking off like a fucking dick. I'm sure there are people. Not I. Take my jumper off, rolled up a sleeve, got the jag, the jag itself. I cannot put any words how painless it is. You will not feel a thing, which in hindsight is fantastic and also makes you slightly panicked. Because you remember how you would see people like the fucking, uh, the Novichok guy and the fucking, uh, the other guy. The guy who went out in an Italian restaurant in London and fucking lost all his hair. What was his name? What was his name? 
I don't know. I've got a computer here. Let's go. Let's Google this. Uh, this is always a difficult one for the old Russian uh, death poison London. What was his name? Alexander Litvinenko. Alexander Litvinenko. Who can ever forget that guy? Um, Alexander Litvinenko uh, was a former officer of the Russian Federal Service uh, FSB and KGB legend. After speaking critically about what he saw as corruption within the Russian government, I mean Alexander. He fled. Um, he fled retribution to the UK, where he uh, remained a vocal critic of the Russian state. Six years after fleeing, he was poisoned by two Russians in a sp- suspected assassination. Uh, 1st of November 2006, Litvinenko suddenly fell ill and was hospitalised. He died three weeks later, becoming the first confirmed victim of the lethal uh, Paulson 210 induced acute radiation syndrome. There you go. I mean, let's go off on a slight tangent for a minute here, but I mean, if you're, if you're, I don't know how many times we've said this on this podcast, if you're going to be critical of a country like Russia or to our, our dear beloved friends, Chinese. Expect to turn up in a suit. Expected, I expect it. You know, it's just expected. And there's, all, there's also a little. I mean, obviously, I, don't, I do not wish death upon anyone. Well, maybe one or two, but I don't wish them to be poisoned or possibly I do. But I'm just saying there's a little bit of me that likes the fact that they always get them. I'm not saying it's right, of course I'm not, but isn't there a little bit of you that enjoys it? To know that there's still somebody out there who holds on to the old school nature of the past. You know? Maybe I'm dark, maybe I'm twisted, but there's something about the Russians and the way that the Chinese handle themselves that I like, you know? Listen, do what the fuck you want, man. Do what you want. But if you say anything bad about us, we'll fucking find you and we'll kill you. And then when they do find you, they do kill you. Why are you shocked? Why are you shocked? So, what we're saying is, uh, slightly concerning that when you hear about things like uh, Alexander Litvinenko, who should have kept his mouth shut? Or other people being poisoned in some way, you know? Like fucking King Jong's brother. Remember that lassie fucking necked him? And she thought it was Candy Camera. Are you right? So, when I got the injection, because it was so painless, and because of everything that happened after it, I did start to think, what if I was just walking down the street and somebody fucking hit you? So you'd never know. If you were wanted by the KGB, for example, I don't know why you would be, but let's just say yeah, and they were to brush past you in a cafe and inject you with something, you'd never fucking know. You'd never know. No way you would know. I, honestly, I never felt a thing. It was that painless. I actually looked after it to see if, if she'd done it or if, if this was all just a... Imagine this was all just a fucking ruse. Imagine this was all just made up. Imagine COVID was all just made up. <laughs> and the injection's just, boop, she just like jabs you with the back of your pin. That's you, had your vaccine. You're like, oh, thank you. Obviously not, because I felt a shit after it. But it was worrying to think somebody could just fucking jab you. You know? You're out having a, ca- a coffee. You're out having brunch, for fuck's sake, once all this is over. Eh? Once all this is over, the world's back to normal. You're travelling again. You're out having brunch. Eggs Benny. Eggs Benedict. Craving it. For a fucking year and a half, you're sitting eating your eggs, Benedict. And and at the same time, the KGB's going through your Twitter feed, going, is that right, aye? Fucking Russia, eh? Yowie dick. 
and they send somebody over the greasy spoon to fucking pop you off. You know, some guy brushes past you and you're like, oh, sorry, mate. He's like, it is no problem, my brother. Comrade. No problem, comrade. And you're like, no way, man, that guy's rushing me. He's doing fucking govern. Don't even feel it. Next minute you're him brushing your teeth and your whole fucking bottom jaw's falling off. Oh, they got me. So I got the vaccine. Um, up the road. And because I had spoken to, like I said, a few people... I, I was I, I kind of knew that I was going to start to feel ill, but oddly I, I felt nothing. There was no symptoms, no pain, nothing at all. But in the back of my head, I'm constantly waiting for it to happen. And I would say I got the the injection, the vaccine at about say twenty to five on Saturday night, and I would say that by ten or eleven o'clock on Saturday. I had a pain in my arm where I got the jag. So it felt, the skin uh, and the flesh felt quite hard, which it oddly still does, felt quite hard around where the injection was and there was a bit of kind of pain, kind of bruising pain on my arm. But nothing more than that. And then when I went to bed and I woke up on Sunday, uh, that that was it, it was game over. And it escalated quite quickly. I had what I can only describe as the worst flu symptoms I've ever had. Um, it's very rare that I get really ill. I normally get ill after the fringe, uh, just because you've been pushing your body so hard. But if you, it's very rare throughout the year that I'll get like a bug. Very rare. Obviously, we all know what the flu feels like, but this is intense, like the worst flu you've ever had. That's the only way I can describe it. Muscle pains, joint pains, uh, all at the same time. Every muscle and joint in your body is aching, it hurts when you stand up, it hurts when you sit down, uh, very uncomfortable, unable to relax, intense headaches, pain behind the eyes, uh, unsteady in your feet, uh, felt really unbalanced, but the whole time when you're feeling these sensations, you're very conscious in your head that you are not sick, it's a very, very strange, strange sensation, and quite hard to explain, because I remember lying on the sofa and then just the, the pain in my eyes, the headache was just too much. So I went through into the bedroom, pulled the blinds down, lay in bed and just could not get comfortable because my joints were aching. I was just I just couldn't get comfortable and then the one minute I was hot, then I was cold. But I remember lying in my bed trying to have a sleep, very conscious in my head going, there is fucking nothing wrong with you. Like I do not... I do not feel sick, but my body's sick. It was a very, very odd feeling. Now, that lasted for about a day and a half. That lasted all of Sunday. Never eased up at all through the whole of Sunday. For a, I would say for a solid 20, 40, 30 hours. Never eased up a bit. And then the joint pain started to go kind of Monday afternoon. Uh, still had pains in my arms and my legs. Still had the headache. Still behind the eyes. And by Monday evening, it was pretty much all gone, but the headache is still there. And now we are here on Tuesday afternoon, uh, and the only thing I've really got is still a, a slight, not a, 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 a pain, but I kinda, you can feel like a bruising in your arm. But that was a solid day and a half, two days of feeling incredibly ill. Incredibly ill, which did make me wonder, what the fuck is in that vaccine? <laughs> You know, what What the fuck have they given me, man? 
Now, I read a few things saying that uh, if you have a reaction to the first injection, it's unlikely you'll have a reaction to the second one, or it could be a mild, and if you don't have a reaction to the first one, uh, the likelihood is you'll have a reaction to the second one. I don't know how much that is true. I don't know anybody who's had their second vaccination yet, so only time will tell. But I will say this. I was like maybe some of you who are listening. I thought when I got it, there's no way I'll be I'll be completely fine. And for the first couple of hours, nothing. And then all of a sudden, it hit me like a fucking freight train. So whenever you have your vaccine, whenever you've got it, whatever your appointment is, I would strongly suggest the day after, if you are able to, take a day off or give yourself some time because the likelihood is that you'll probably feel like shit the next day after it but please for the love of god get it man i, I you know i don't know anybody who's not going to get it but i imagine there will be some out there um, and listen if, if there is anybody listening to this who intends not to get the vaccine fucking get in touch man i would generally love to hear the reasons why someone wouldn't want to be vaccinated i really would i i i I haven't read any um, literature or information uh, on the opposition of getting it, so you may have strong views, I don't know, but if, if there is anybody getting in touch, I'd, I'd love to hear someone's point from the other side, but I certainly had mine, uh, I'm done, I feel a little bit better in the sense of, I feel like, you know, it's a good step, we're all moving forward, and uh, like I said before, if anything gets me back to gigs quicker, I'll take that injection quite happily, so, uh, yeah, when you get it, my advice would be take the next day off. But nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. The injection itself is almost completely painless uh, and you are in and out in literally minutes. So nothing to worry about. But please do get the vaccine. Please do get it. Please get it. Right, one thing I wanted to talk about was I have... I watched a documentary, Sea Spiracy, uh, over the weekend, and I uh, it was a struggle. Not as, I'm trying to give an example here, not as bad as Hamilton. Still yet to finish that bag of shite, but it, it had to be paused quite a number of times uh, for me to get through it. Um, I don't know if you've watched it. Uh, if you haven't, I I would suggest watching it. It's, it you know what, it's, a, it's one of those things where it feels as if it's being created for a different reason than the purpose it was created for. I imagine it was created to instill fear in a lot of people about the about the planet, about fishing industries, about fish in general. A um, couple of things we've got to keep in mind. One, the name, absolute garbage. Why is it now called Conspiracy instead of Sea Spiracy? I've no idea. Um... It's also made by the same people who made Cowspiracy. So they're just using the fucking... They just like putting my word in front of Spiracy. It's made by those people who made the documentary Cowspiracy. And if you ever watched that as well, um, it's, again, a load of nonsense. Um, the problem with it is that it seems as if a lot of the facts that they present or a lot of the statements that they present as fact in the documentary are so outlandish that in the end it feels as if the whole thing does more damage than good, right? And I've got a couple of points here that I want to talk about because effectively what it is trying to say, and although they, they put this to to some to some woman, um, 
who's from one of these organisations, and she says that's not the case. What it's basically come across is uh, eat less fish, or as in stop eating fish, is what they're trying to do. Just like with the, the cowspiracy documentary made when they're saying, if you don't want the planet to die, you've got to stop eating meat right now. Now they're saying with this is, if you don't want the planet to die, you've got to stop eating fish right now. Nonsense. Now, according to the documentary, the whole world, the planet will be dead by 2048, according to these cunts, right? So, uh, you can't stop that now. Why don't you just eat some fish, eh? Why don't you have some surf and turf? Have a nice steak and some beautiful scallops right in top it. Doesn't that sound delicious? Because according to them, the planet will be dead by 2048. Now, a lot of the points they make in it are absolute insanity. And some of the points they make are not a shock to any... Well, I'm going to say anybody. I wouldn't imagine they're a shock to a normal person. For example, the tins of fish that you buy, canned fish or or, or any kind of fish, and it has the logo of uh, sustainable fisheries on it, or it has the logo which says dolphin-friendly tuna, for example, a lot of the times it's bullshit. Is that a shock to anybody? Not really at all, right? Am I shocked to find that a 35 pence tin of tuna that I get for Aldi is not sustainably sourced or dolphin friendly? In the name of fuck, you're joking! Not a big shock to us. But for some reason, they make this a big thing. One of the parts in the documentary that they pick on, up on is a, is a group called Sea Shepherd, which I had never heard of in my life. And can I just say... That's who the documentary should be. Now, after doing a little bit of digging, um, I think there might even be a reality show about these guys. I think it might be called Whale Hunters. I'm not completely sure, but I think that might be the case. Now, Sea Shepherd are effectively Greenpeace uh, gone rogue, right? One of the guys who started Sea Shepherd is an original member, original founder of Greenpeace. They have effectively bought old... um, US Navy ships and they travel the seas sinking illegal fishing boats and picking fights with Japanese whale trawlers, right? And I'm I don't mean like as you imagine Greenpeace or the fuckers that took over the bridge in London, right? I don't mean they bring a boat up the side and they're all out there and tie dies going, Come by my lord, don't eat fish, leave the whales alone. They're our friends. I don't mean that. I mean they're turning up in fucking ships that have got like shark mouths drawn on the side of it. Fucking Thai, ex-Thai police boarding cunts boats. Fucking, I mean proper pirates of the sea. Ramming fishing boats. Sinking fishing boats. Putting fishermen into the ocean. Not a fuck given. That is the type. That's the type of fucking Greenpeace activist I like. One that's got an element of violence to it. How I am certain that how many times do I need to say that? How many times do I need to say in this podcast before people start taking mysterious? The only way to get anything done in this planet is with extreme violence. As Sea Shepherd are proven, they're bright new. They show you a little bit in the documentary. You see the big fucking ship and you're like, here we go, this is getting good. And you see the kind of black and white night shot, night image of them fucking going in these wee boats and tie poles storming in with the machine guns like, fucking you're like yes show me more of this and then fuck all 
And then it goes back to plastic straws are not the problem. That should be the fucking documentary. No, this posh English twat going round with his camera. Um, also, see at the start, he phones a chippy, right? And they hang up on him. Uh, hello, um, is this the Blue Lagoon? Can I just ask uh, why you're still using plastic cutlery in your forgetty fuck yeah, posh wee cunt? The way in which that he conducts himself in this is is the one thing that made me want to turn off the most. He's the worst documentarian I've ever seen. It's one of the worst documentaries I've ever watched. It is so badly edited. You can tell that it's badly edited. You can tell in the interviews that they have just taken snippets of what suits their narrative and taken it away to, to twist it in another way. You can tell that from the way that it's cut and pasted together. It's poor. He is the wrong person to be the voice of it. The wrong person completely. Because one, he just comes across as a wee posh boy. So right away, I don't care about you. It feels as if this is like a gap year programme for him. It feels as if he's had no struggle in life and mummy and daddy is all raising him by the sea and he had a boat and a pony and a horse and I just love the sea. And they gave him a couple of hundred grand and went, right, just fuck off and find yourself. And now he makes documentaries. It's bollocks. There's a bit where he turns up at uh, Mitsubishi's head office and he's sitting in the foyer and he's like, yes, we'd like to talk to the CEO uh, about why their uh, sustainable fish programme isn't sustainable. And they're like, no, fuck off. And then next minute, someone's outside going, you know, we tried our best and they're just trying to shut us down. Mate, you try turning up to any fucking major company on this planet, walking in with a camera without an appointment and going, eh, all right, we're here to talk about how you're fucking things up. Of course you're going to get papped out. So why not do it the real way? If you want to be sneaky, why not just contact them and say you're here to deal with something else? Say you're fucking doing a documentary on the fishing industries and how Mitsubishi play a great part in it and then at the end of the fucking interview spring that question on them and see the response. Why not do that? But instead, they just want to add to the narrative. So if you're able to take all that shite out of you, you very quickly pull apart some of the facts that they make clear. Now, one of the things that comes up is we talk about plastic straws, right? And every, I mean, I've done a gig, I've done a gig, for fuck's sake. I've done a gig at Glasgow University to save the fucking turtles for putting plastic straws up their arse. Who gives a fuck? Couldn't care less. <sighs> then it turns out that plastic straws are not even uh, a tip of the iceberg. Not, not a prob- literally not a problem. 0.03% of all plastic in the ocean is plastic straws. Not a problem. But that is the narrative that's been put across. Plastics are the issue. Plastics are the issue. The other thing that's uncovered in the documentary, again, which had no shock to me, I did, I turned to the missus and went, is this meant to shock us? Because it never shocked me whatsoever. Is that most of the uh, charities that have been set up in order to raise awareness about... Um, about recycling and plastics and plastics in the ocean are controlled by the same companies that control the fisheries. Is this no shocking anybody? Of course they fucking are. Of course they are. How else do you control the fucking message by setting up a charity, you fucking idiot? So, the interesting points in it, not many, there is a, there is a large, uh, in fact, what's it called? I've got it here. It's called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, right? Now, apparently there is a, basically a floating dump in the Pacific Ocean called the Great Pacific Garden Patch, which is 1.6 million squared kilometres in size, right? And it is just a floating dump 
of sea waste, garbage, plastics, human waste, all collecting for whatever reason in this garbage patch. Now in the documentary they claim that one of the biggest polluters in the ocean is the fishing industry themselves. So discarded nets, uh, broken nets, discarded lines, uh, whether it's things like crab pots or uh, stuff that's used for fishing itself, parts of ships, trawlers, they claim that 46% of the plastic waste in the ocean comes directly from the fishing industries themselves and from the fishing boats. Now, when you first hear that, you you believe it, and you believe it for two reasons. One, because it's a presented in a way that you think, right, that's understandable and that, that could be the case. And two, because you're going, I'm watching a Netflix documentary. There's no way they would allow something like that to be said without it being fact-checked. And then when you actually do look at the facts, you realise that that's not the case at all. Within that patch, so within the Great Specific Garbage Patch, yes, 46% of that is made up from discarded elements from the fishing industries, from the boats themselves, from broken fishing nets, from plastics, that kind of thing. But within the whole ocean of the planet, only 20% of plastics in the water is made up from fishing industries, made up from boats, made up from discarded nets. The other 80% is from human waste. It's from us. It's from us not recycling properly. It's from us throwing plastics away. It's from us uh, having single-use plastics. It is from humans. So they seem to be taking facts to almost distract away from what the real problem is. Yes, the fishing industry is a massive problem, but so is humanity. Not once in this whole documentary, which lasts far too long, is climate change mentioned. The, the whole reason why they talk about the ocean, and I think the main reason why this documentary has been made, is because, like most things, we're destroying the planet. And I didn't realise how important the ocean is. The ocean itself, through, I mean, layman's terms, breaking down, you have the fish in the ocean that create uh, waste, generate waste, and from that, it feeds an ecosystem which passes down, which in turn feeds carbon dioxide, which in turn fuels... Uh, oxygen which we breathe and it keeps everything moving right and if the top layer of that pyramid dies off which is the the biggest fish so whales uh sharks things that are the biggest mammals in the ocean if they start to die off whether it be through being fished themselves because the japanese have started whaling again or whether it be through mass fishing uh with trawlers and uh, destroying populations of fish which a lot of the fishing industry is doing, so they don't have anything to eat, so they die out. That has a knock-on effect down the pyramid, which kills off layer after layer after layer. Eventually the seas die, and when they say the oceans die, they mean there's no life in the oceans. That stops to feed the production of carbon dioxide, which stops to feed the earth, and then the fucking earth dies, right? And that's the effectively the message of, of the uh, documentary. We need to save the oceans and save the seas so that we can save the planet, right? So why focus the struggle on attacking fishing industries we've known it for years that there are uh trawlers out there that are overfishing that are you know attacking populations of fish we know that there's a thing called bycatch where 
a lot of endangered species are, are killed through fishing so bycatch means things like dolphins are caught in nets sharks are caught in nets whales are caught in nets turtles are caught in nets and they just cast them back in the sea a lot of the times they're dead they talk about things like um delicacies so shark fins uh for shark fin soup in china is a big thing that comes up again a lot of this just comes down to the fact of going what are you going to do what are governments going to do are governments going to put sanctions on japan because they've started their whaling industry again no are people going to stop buying japanese products because japan started whaling again no they're not is any government russia great britain america are they going to do anything to japan because they have started whaling again no they're not so what the fuck do they expect you to do because yes we should all recycle yes we should all be conscious we should be eating less meat we should be eating less processed food we should be valuing the fish that we get we should be getting it from sustainable sources possibly we should start to get it from fishmongers ourselves if we understand that it's a good fishmonger with a good supply chain especially living in a fucking island for god's sake we've got no excuse for not having good fish here if you do all of that is that going to stop a country like japan whaling no it won't is it going to stop tens of thousands of spanish fishermen going out and trawling the oceans no is it going to stop them catching dolphins sharks turtles in the nets killing them sticking them back in the ocean no so what the fuck do you do? That's my that was my whole thing. We're watching this documentary. I'm going. What do you do? What do, what do you do different? Because everything that seems to happen in Earth on the planet, it's always pushed back down to the average man in the street and what you can do differently. How much difference can you make? I mean, what is expected of you in your day to day life here? It was just such a it was such a difficult watch because I was getting so angered by it because I'm like, this concept of not eating fish is nonsense. When we all know fish is one of the best things you can eat for your diet. I'm I'm looking at here saying one I'm trying to find the facts that they actually got right. So plastic straws discarded from um human consumption seems to be the real issue that's been pushed by the uh charities, obviously not the case. Uh, 80% of plastics in the ocean is human waste. We are claiming it's less than uh, 46%, which obviously is not shark fin soup. So one of the things that was correct, because I'm trying to make sure that I'm not just bashing it completely, and one of the things that was correct is that the seven species of sea turtles, six of the seven are now endangered because of this thing called bycatch, which is basically they're caught up in fishing nets and they stick them back in the ocean, right? That was correct. Um, now, I watched a video... Um, by a guy called Gil Carvalho. Um, he has a YouTube channel called Nutrition Made Simple, and he's basically a, a, an MD, um, a physician, and he talks about nutrition in your diet, healthy diet, that kind of thing. But what he also does is he takes, uh, for example, this documentary, and he facts checks it against what's been said based on nutrition and based on the facts that are coming up in the documentary. And and his, uh, not debunking of it, but his take on step-by-step of the facts that they try and put across is very, very good. Check out his shit. It's called Nutrition Made Simple. Um, I think if you just type in scientist... Have I still got it up here on the the screen? No, I've not got it. I think if you type in scientist facts seaspiracy, you'll see his video going through point by point. Um... 
it was just, it was just an, I was an, I felt myself getting very angry watching it, I don't know why, but I think the whole thing felt like just a bunch of rich, middle-class English kids running about trying to convince everybody that, you know, the planet's dying and the only way to save it is to stop eating fish. I mean, not once do they mention cultures where fishing is life. You know, parts of the Philippines or parts of Africa where guys will go on fucking boats that have been made out of trees that they've cut down and catch fish in order to literally keep people alive. And they're hitting out with statements like, we need to stop eating fish right now. Climate change has got nothing to do with this. Humanity's got nothing to do with this. It's fucking fishing boats. Absolute nonsense. I mean, I'd love to see them, I'd love to see a, a government turn around and go, right, do you know what? A couple of points in this are a lot of nonsense. But listen, we're going to stop selling tuna to uh, to Japan. Um, we're banning the sale of, of tuna. Uh, we're banning the sale of sushi. Every sushi restaurant must now close down. I mean, that that's almost the extremes they're going to. Stop eating fish. See, if you eat fish, you're fucking killing the planet. That's you. That's right. Every fish you eat is one step closer to a dead planet. I mean, again, it was like Super Size Me. I watched Super Size Me. I wanted a McDonald's. I watched Seaspiracy. I wanted a chippy. If I was a chippy, I would be fucking sending a copy of this documentary out with every order. And I'd be like, thank you for your order. Enjoy your fish tea. Watch that and then give us a call back. Two free pickles with every order. No time watching I'm going to fucking love a fish supper. <laughs> maybe, not the, uh, maybe not the documentary they were trying to make out. I wonder what they'll do next. Eh? Tofu, tofspiracy. Don't eat tofu, man. It's fucking full of all sorts of madness. Don't eat red meat and now we've no eat fish. What is up with these fuckers? This why is all hungry. But if you've not seen it, check it out. See Spiracy. You can get it on Netflix. Right, I'm going to finish up with a wee news story here. Um, this has been a... Uh, do you know what? I feel, I feel as though I've come back from being ill. That's how I'm feeling. Like, I feel myself getting fatigued, man. I, I briefly saw a thing on, uh, uh, or a, an advert for a documentary that's coming out about the uh, people who have been affected by this long COVID. I mean, that looks fucking brutal as well, man. But, um, you know, maybe we'll talk about another one. So... Quickly do a wee one, then we're going to wrap this up. It's going to be a wee short episode, team, but as always, thank you very much indeed for listening. Uh, saw this headline in the Metro. Uh, a new name to us here, uh, Mel Evans. I'm sure she is uh, in the early stages of her journalistic career. Uh, let's hope she can move away from the nutters at the Metro very soon because the headline reads, uh, Stacey Solomon still keeps her son's foreskin in a box. Uh, then she says, I cannot, uh, I quote, I cannot let it go. Uh, let it go. Let me just read that again. Stacey Solomon uh, still keeps her son's foreskin in a box. Now, we have um, Louis Theroux doing another documentary about the Tiger King. We have vaccinations rolling out across Scotland. We have people having adverse reactions to the vaccine. We have running battles in the meadows here in Edinburgh with the Sebastians and the Finleys bottling each other. We have a country emerging from a year-long lockdown we have documentaries saying that we should stop eating fish because the planet is going to be dead in 30 years time but the news articles that we want to know about is the fact that stacy solomon is a fucking beast i know nothing of this 
we will discover it together. Uh, Stacey Solomon may be vowing, uh, wowing us all, sorry, with her organisation and declutter videos on social media. What? What? Stacey Solomon may be wowing us all with her organisation and declutter videos on social media. Is this how fucking desperate Z-list celebrities are to try and cling on to fucking some kind of fame? Just... I imagine being one of these fucking bastards. Now, here's a... Stacey Solomon's maybe not talentless. You know. She, can, she can sing. Can she sing? I don't know if she can still sing, but she sang at one point. See, being like a Stacey Solomon, it must be fucking tiring, man. She That woman must be fucking shattered. See at the end of the day when Stacey Solomon and their fucking ginger husband, whatever the fuck his name is, see when they get in their bed at night, they must be fucking shattered. That must be a tiring existence. Just constantly plate spinning. Plate spinning. Keep your name out there. Stay in the public. If they forget you, you'll die. Keep... What the fuck are they doing? Decluttering in organisation videos. Wow. Never, never even knew that that was a way in which to remain uh, in the public eye. Apparently there is. Uh, on social media, uh, but there is one thing that she's refusing to let go, and that is her son's foreskin. Now, I don't know if I am stably uh, of body and mind to continue reading this. Uh, which she keeps in a box, That, uh, that's it, that's the story. That's the story. Okay, the Lost Woman star who recently bought a swanky Tudor-style estate with fiancé Joe Swash... I mean, what is Joe Swash? Is he an actor? Was he in something? Is he a singer as well? Or is he just like a a, a personality type? No idea. Uh, host new show, Sort Your Life Out, which has families lay out all their belongings and, well, what it says in the tin, sort it all out. This is amazing stories. Last night saw the premiere episode challenge the Yuku family to clear out and declutter their home in one week with Stace adding her own two cents as they get to work. I don't know why I'm reading this like I'm in primary two. Speaking about the attachment, one forms to certain items though had Stacey predicting, presenting quite candidly the image reaction from the show's team should they sidle up to her new house dubbed Pickle Cottage and rummage through her storage closet. What the fuck is this woman talking about? Stacey Solomon said to the camera in last night's episode on the BBC series, this is such a massive challenge because of all the emotional attachment to every single item. There are things in my house that if I was like, why don't we come and do this over at mine, they'd be like, Stacey, how have you still got your son's foreskin in a box? What the fuck is wrong with people, man? The presenter who has young son Zachary, Leighton and Rex laughed I keep some random gross stuff because I cannot let it go so I totally understand why the fuck is she got his foreskin in a box couple of twitter users mused about the anatomical addition to pre-watershed BBC Stacey Solomon has just said foreskin at 6.40pm I mean if that's the thing that really shocks you then get a fucking grip she's got her son's dick in a box what a time to be alive. Did Stacey Solomon just say she's kept her son's foreskin on BBC One at half six on Monday night? Yes, she fucking did. Others just wanted to hear about the twee, the twee trinkets. 
and we don't know items not once attached to a person. Uh, one person added, absolutely did not need to know that Stacey Solomon keeps her son's foreskin in a box. Yes, exactly. Why the fuck has she kept it in a box? Why the fuck has she kept it? I mean, obviously, some children are circumcised. Why? I do not know. If it's a religious thing again, get over yourselves. I never, I never thought for a second that they hand the foreskin back to a mother. What the fuck is going on? So you tell me that she has travelled home at some point with her son's foreskin, what in her pocket, like a fucking used bandage, <laughs> and then found a box. I mean, what? Surely you got to go and buy a box. You don't just find like an old shoe box in the house. You don't get in the kitchen. Is there any old Tupperware that we're not using? What is it you want a Tupperware box for? I'm going to put young John's foreskin in it. Why the fuck would you keep a child's foreskin? For what purpose? You're going to dry it out? Make a fucking dream catcher? Grate it into a fucking curry? Alright, I get it that people have baby photos. Maybe even you keep a tooth, which I think that's fucking weird as well, keeping teeth. But to keep somebody's foreskin, that is fucked up. <laughs> that should have been... That should have been cut... This would have went through so many different levels before it got to broadcast. Why was that not cut from the show? And why is nobody sitting here doing go, what the fuck is wrong with you? One, doing that, and then two, admitting it. Listen, I'm sure there's loads of weird things that everybody does. Don't fucking admit it. On BBC One, on national television, uh, I, I keep my I keep my son's foreskin in a box. What do you go and look? I mean, there's so many questions now. So many questions. Do you go and look at it? Does he know? That's probably the biggest one. Does he know? Does he know his foreskin's in a box? <laughs> oh, this is fucking creep me out, man. This is fucking creep me out. Oh. I don't, I don't even know what to do. I'm, I'm looking at the photo of her and her, her sons and I'm just going, you poor fuckers, man. I'm sure they got a very happy life and a very happy mother. But that freaks me out. To know that she has kept his foreskin in a box. I just want to know why. I just want to know why, Stacey. Is there, is there ever going to be a time when you let that go? Will he be reunited with it and it's his decision as to what happens to it? What if, what if your house gets programmed? Eh? They steal your son's foreskin. Come on. That's fucking creep me out. That is creeping me right out. Well, there you go. Mel, uh, you know, if that is the beginning of your uh, journalistic career, thank you for that uh, piece of absolute uh, joy. Stacey Solomon, absolute creep. Right, um, we're going to wrap this up. We shot one this week. Um, get back into the swing of it. By the time Sunday comes for the Sunday service, fully restored. Back to health. Uh, but right now, still feeling a bit shitty. So, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you do subscribe. Smash that wee bell, as the kids say. And uh, you'll get uh, notifications when new episodes drop. If you want to support the show or get access to extra content, the only way to do so is to become a rascal on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Sign up for as little as £4 a month. Absolute fucking pennies! You will get access to all of the Sunday service episodes, new Patreon-only podcast drops every single Sunday, as well as access to my comedy albums and other little ditties 
that are on there. Plus, you'll be getting to support me. And, you know, what more do you want? So do that. Uh, in the meantime, share it. Share the podcast episodes on your socials. Let's grow the numbers. If you can, leave a review. Do all the good stuff. And until we speak next time, uh, take care of yourself. Be safe. Wash your hands and your arsehole. And hopefully I will see you on a battlefield very soon. Take care, team. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.